Hi, this is Captain Sig Hansen from The Deadliest Catch, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Don Felder, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John Caddick. All right, Pittsburgh! You are the best! You got the best! Welcome to episode 485 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 45, we have something very special for you. Uh, several times over the years, we've had uh, guests kind of outside of the world of music. Uh, we are joined at this episode by Vincent Pastor, who, as many of you know, was Big Pussy from the HBO series The Sopranos. Also was in Goodfellas with Ray Liotta uh, and a million other uh, movies and TV shows. So we had a chance to catch up with him and talk about an event that is coming up in October uh, with fellow soprano stars Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa. Uh, So we will get into the details of that in just a moment. Also joining us in a little while from the band Quiet Riot, most notably Chuck Wright, uh, who was involved with Metal Health. Played with them uh, on and off through many of the last several decades. Chuck will be uh, talking about the solo album he released in May uh, and give you some information about this, his debut solo album. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, Vincent Pastor, as I mentioned, Big Pussy, obviously a major character in The Sopranos. He's Steve Sharippa, which was Bobby uh, Bacalari, and uh, Michael Imperioli, who was Christopher Moltisanti. Uh, the three of them are doing sort of a, a special event coming up October 8th at the Carnegie Music Hall of Homestead. It's called A Conversation with the Sopranos. Uh, they're going to be talking about the show, playing some video clips, telling some war stories, uh, some comedy. <laughs> Ought to be a really fun evening for fans of the show. Um, the, you know, a lot of renewed interest with the HBO uh, streaming movie, uh, the, the Saints of Newark, Uh to kind of get people re-excited about The Sopranos and such a, a massive impact it had on television. We actually get into that in the interview, is how it almost caused people to, you know, it was one of the first sort of we have to subscribe because of that show, you know, which is now more prevalent with the Netflix and, and you know, the different streaming services. But at the time, you know, if you didn't have HBO, you were kind of weird. How are you going to watch The Sopranos? So uh, we kind of get into that as well in the conversation. So without further ado, Vincent Pastor. pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have one of the Sopranos, Vinny Pastor on the line. How are you doing, Vinny? How are you doing? Good afternoon. Good to talk to you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. You are going to be coming into Pittsburgh here uh, in just, it'll seem like a few weeks, but it, actually not until October, uh, yeah. with two of your fellow actors from the Sopranos, Michael uh, and Steve. 
to do. Michael Perioli, Steve Sharippa, we have a show. We call it Comedy and Conversations with the Sopranos. We bring out uh, Joey Cola. He's, he does stand up. He actually, he introduces um, uh, Drew Barrymore every morning. He's like the warm up guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a lot. That's uh, Joey Cola. And it's a contained show. We've been around. We went to Australia, been all over the States. And uh, we're looking forward to coming to Pittsburgh. It, what kind of brought this on now? Like, you know, it's been, it, you know, it seems like yesterday we watched Tony get hit at the, the diner, but why yeah. now? What was it well, just a um, we've always been running around um, since day one, um, doing one form or another of a meet and greet, you know? Sure. When Jimmy was around, in fact, we were out in West Virginia a lot. I don't know if we were in Pittsburgh, but there's a casino in West Virginia we used to go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and we went around. And then, um, you know, with the 20-year anniversary that came around, uh, uh, Stephen and Michael, they become like geniuses with the Sopranos. They got their own podcast going. Right. And uh, they wrote a book called Woke Up This Morning. But in between that, we were going out and doing this, this thing, this show. You know, it opens up with a uh, comedian. Then they show clips from The Sopranos. Then we come out. And uh, we do Q&A with Joey. And then we do a Q&A with the audience. And it's a great show. Is it... Um surprise you or, or I guess I should take you back in time when when you were doing the show especially early on before it kind of exploded and it certainly became a cultural phenomenon was did you guys have a sense you were doing something kind of really special during that time or was it more of a once the audience reacted to it we, you saw people say we didn't know what was happening but uh, I think we knew it was special uh, we knew it was special because um, there was so much behind it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, HBO, I think they gave, uh, David Chase two million to shoot the pilot. That was, that's never heard of. And then after we shot the pilot, uh, it wasn't long after that we got the phone call and said, okay, HBO wants 12 more episodes and the pilot's episode one. So we kind of knew it was coming, but you didn't know how the public was going to react to it because, Nothing was seen until everything was in the can. Right. You know, and then we're on, we're, we're shooting season two. Everybody's going to excited. They were so excited about season one, you know, and that's when we were doing season two, you know, all of a sudden people, we had people come to the set. Uh, they wanted to eat with us. You know, um, I remember John Bon Jovi came one time and he sat with uh, little Stephen and me and, and I said to John, where do you want to get on the show? How many Italian rock and roll is <laughs> we have from Jersey? It, it really got to be something, you know. Was it was it a hesitation for you? I mean, and I think back, you know, at the time, you know, something like HBO doing a, a series. I mean, they did it, but it wasn't quite to this level of mainstream acceptance. You know, there were shows they that had, HBO had. Oz, Oz was a hit, and they had The Wire. Those yeah. were the hits already. But HBO, uh, you know, I did Gotti with Amin Asante for HBO, and that was an HBO movie. Mm -hmm. But HBO was like, okay, um, uh, if I got a couple more bucks, I'll uh, order HBO and uh, watch something additional on my TV. It wasn't as big as it is today. Yeah, and I mean, you think about, you know, growing up hbo to me was always kind of like movies that were you know not quite prime anymore they weren't maybe yeah. the vhs at the time but you know yeah yeah and then all of a sudden it became you know you had to find if you didn't have hbo think, you had to well, find like, you know listen john i think the sopranos did that yeah and, and... i think the sopranos made people decide to pay for television i read it to keep the sutherland uh, at a roast Mm -hmm. Dennis Leary in the city of Kiefer said, I would have never taken 24 if The Sopranos wasn't a hit. And that's yeah. true. A lot of guys who were doing legitimate film, they didn't want to step into television, you yeah. know. Uh, and then, then people started crossing over. But I think, and you know, um, 
listen, uh, I, I've been getting texts all day today that we lost Ray Liotta. Yeah. Uh, today, uh, who I, I met on the set of Goodfellas. Uh, he ended up being in, um, you know, uh, the Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel yeah. on the Soprano. So Ray's a fellow Soprano. Um, it's like you don't know. You don't know when you're working on Awakenings with Robert De Niro is going to be this huge movie. You don't know when you're working on Goodfellas, it's going to be this huge movie. So years later, even though you weren't, you were above an extra, same yeah. thing with Carlito's way with me. It's like, okay, I was on that set. Yeah. You know, I was there. You know, when I was doing Goodfellas, I came downstairs. Uh, they were shooting up on top of the Winter Garden Theater. It used to be called Hawaii Kai. And Marty and production changed it to make it look like the Bamboo Lounge. And I came down and I went to a ping pong. And I called my father. And he was a huge De Niro fan. And I said, I'm working with De Niro. I'm working with De Niro. And, you know, your father gets a kick out of that stuff, you know, as they get older, that your kids are growing up and he's working with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's kind of what it was all about back then. Um, that you wanted to do the work, you know, which all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're on Sopranos. George yeah. Andrew Walken brings me in. I audition for David. Uh, Michael gets on the show. Michael and I were friends. Tony Sirico was, and I were friends. Frankie Pellegrino and I were friends. Frank Vincent, Dominic. We were all friends, and we wind up working on the same series together. So that's what was odd. You know, it's like we were um, we were the guys to, to bring in for this kind of work in New York, you know. <laughs> was it was it interesting or, or can you kind of describe the, the, the phenomena or the circumstances of seeing the Saints of Newark and seeing James's son do such an you know, magnificent job? And it was almost in a way, you know, as a as a longtime viewer of the show, almost eerie because i didn't realize it was james yeah, it is eerie. It over. it's eerie but it's almost like david needed to do that yeah as a tribute to jimmy uh you know michael said oh, i auditioned for david three times okay so he made it hard for you but i don't think he wasn't going to give you the plot mm-hmm. i mean it was you it was it was perfect it was a perfect fit yeah. and it was a beautiful tribute to his father you know yeah. um um and Michael's a good actor. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that he wasn't a good actor. Um, so he deserved it. But he did say you auditioned for David three times. Yeah, make him sweat a little bit. Keep him yeah. humble, maybe. Yeah. Um, you also... I, I, Blue Bloods. Uh, I did White Five All, which was great. I did three episodes. Um, you know, I, and I've been doing some, like, independent films lately. Uh, I'm working on this... Uh, Series now called Gravesend with Chaz Palminteri. I um, I got a movie coming out uh, about the life of uh, Neil Bogard, who started Casablanca Records last yeah. summer. You know, I you know I got things coming out, but um, it's and I'll tell you on the podcast, it's pretty hard to tell people you don't want to work no more. Yeah, you know, just say, hey, listen, I'm you know I'm seventy five years old. I want to can I enjoy my life a little, and and they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Then, then, then you think about Wow well, Pacino said first day that I was out and they dragged me back in. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I you know, I want to work, but I don't want to work every day. Yeah, that's that's gotta be uh, it's it's certainly a different way of working when you think of you musicians and actors, you know, you guys yeah. Yeah. a lot of times like my band, my band we go out like once every two weeks. That's work. Uh, and then I teach on Zoom and then I teach in-house uh, acting with my students. That's work. And when I got uh, Tuesday, I got to be on the set uh, and shoot a scene with Chaz and Tony Darrow. That's work. So uh, when you look in your book and say, okay, um, I really don't have anything to do today. I got today off. It's almost like, how how beautiful is that? And then all of a sudden you go down in your cellar and you got a leak in your cellar. Or <laughs> like that. So something else always comes up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, people forget oh, that you. That's life. That's life. Yeah. Yeah, that people forget you're real people with real problems, and 
you still have you know, furnaces that go in the fritz, plumbing that goes. Yeah. Back. Um, yeah. Well, I'm lucky though because when I do have a problem, like my boiler or something, the guys come over, even the kind of guys, and uh, I kind of purposely uh, want them to recognize me because then I know to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, and I sign some pictures and. And they really get close and they do, they, you know, I don't have problems with people coming over my house. Uh, and I admit, hi, yeah, are you Vinny from the, yes, I am. Do me a favor. Uh, tighten up everything in the bathroom. Check it, here's $20. But you want a picture of your, your father, what's his name? Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's exciting. Uh, the same thing with the fan mail. I get a lot of fan mail and I go to the post office and the girl says, why do you keep mailing things out? I said, it's pictures. People ask me for an order go by Mel and back. She says, how long is this going to go on? I says, probably until, I, until I'm dead. Yeah. You know, I think... They want know, that. They want your pictures. They yeah, want to hang them up. You know, you think back, you know, to movies that influenced you or, you know, t- you know TV shows, um, you know, what you wouldn't have for like a Telly Savalas autograph or, you know, right. you're, you're, you're in that level of iconic characters. I was know. in awe always of Anthony Quinn. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working with Anthony in Toronto on the set of Gotti, you know, and uh, we had a rapport. Um, um, years later, I'm up in a gun with Maine doing Bolts Over Broadway on the road, and I'm in a dressing room, and I see Quinn's picture hanging up. I mean, big. Yeah. So I said to Paul, the artistic director, why is Quinn... Quinn's picture and he said, well, when he did Streak on in Desire, I was his dressing room. I said, okay. So I look at my life like, I, I don't know if I'm chasing after people, but I'm in that circle, you know, um, um, and it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Do you still get, I mean, I would have to assume you still get odd looks in the grocery store. People still. Well, no, it's it. not so much. Out here, I live on City Island. It's like, you know, our little community. Right. Uh, it's not so much odd looks. It's like, um, I guess they want to know if they could break that barrier and just talk to you like a regular person. And yeah. you and I, and I and you let that loose. You go, hi, how are you? You know, blah, blah, blah. And you let that loose. Otherwise, um, if you try to avoid that, uh, I'm going to tell you something. It's almost like starting a forest fire. That one person goes and tells one that person, I ran a big pussy in a grocery store, and he's a rude son of a bitch. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's better to be nice than to um, be rude. It doesn't pay to be rude. Never yeah. does. Is, is it I'm going to tell you something. Danny Aiello, God rest him. We were up in uh, Canada doing the last Don. Mm-hmm. We were on a break. And Danny says, uh, we had a day off. We, he, he liked to go to the movie. So we went to see Two Days in the Valley, which he was a star in. And at the end of the movie, Danny was handing out popcorn to people. They didn't know he was in the theater. And I said, why'd you do that? He said, you've got to always be good to your fan. Yeah. And that was Danny. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's a good, it, it's got to be hard though. I mean, I'm sure there's someday you're, you're, you know, pissed off at somebody and, you know, have nothing to do with you, got cut off in traffic. You know, well, Jack stuff. Nicholson used to say, if you don't want your picture taken, don't go out of your house. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, what are you going to do? You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, certainly a double-edged I sword. I find people warm, especially now, what happened with the pandemic is that uh, there was a generation, there's a generation of Minnesota Sopranos. Yeah. And they're watching it now. And then you see these kids or youth at your events, like when we just did Staten Island, me, Michael, and uh, Stephen with the show, uh, you realize there's a younger audience in there because they're they're, they're just watching it for the first time. And we're up there with gray hair, you know? Yeah. It's certainly, you know, the the advent of streaming has certainly allowed people to kind of you know, DVDs and, and, you know, VHS were certainly one bridge to it, but the streaming is allowed, you know, some kid could be sitting literally anywhere in the world right now and just so decide like they this wanna... podcast right now, you stream it, everybody gets to see it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets to see it, you know, boom, it goes out. And and, and I think I, I kind of envy people who watch it now because they have the ability to binge it where, you know, when I consumed your show for the first you time, had I had to wait. Yeah, you had to wait. 
Oh, what do you yeah, mean? Really? This isn't gonna uh, you know the cliffhanger That's at the end of the season. Waited like I think maybe two years. Yeah, yeah. And- because he shot, he would shoot. David would shoot thirteen episodes, give him HBO. They would run it. Then he'd go back and shoot the other thirteen episodes, but he wouldn't turn that in until it was done. By the time that run it, it turned out to be a two-year spread. Yeah. And don't tell HBO, but I had to call and re- renew my service at that point. You know, to let I think it that's why they were doing that. I think yeah. they start off charging three ninety nine a month, and then it came up to like three hundred nine a month. Yeah, they paid money with us. Well, Vin- Vinny, I want to thank you so much. You guys are going to be here in Pittsburgh. Uh, 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 we're going to be at um, Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful theater right outside of the city. Uh, Saturday, October 8th, so you have a nice Saturday night crowd, you and Steve and, and, and Michael. And you get tickets at www.librarymusicalhall.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. October 8th. We got plenty of time. Yeah, actually. But the but the good seats are, are going quick. So, you know, if you want to sit down front and... and uh, yeah, well, and, yeah, I know. If, and then people get stuck in the balcony. They really can't see the show. But they can see the show because there's big screen in back of us. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a, a monitor, so it, it's a fun show. Yeah, very intimate theater, and, and yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Vinny. Okay, Have a great day. all right, thanks. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. All right, again, that's October eighth. That's a Saturday night. The show starts at eight o'clock. As you mentioned, there'll be a comedian uh, there to kind of warm up the crowd. Ought to be a really fun event uh, and a great way to spend a Saturday night in the fall. Uh, the tickets are available at librarymusichall.com. Um, get them while you can. I know this this event has been around for a couple of years. It's just I believe this is the first time it's fallen in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, and with COVID, I know a lot of these had to get postponed. So it's great to have these guys coming in uh, to talk about a, a television show that I'm sure many of us remember so so fondly. So it'd be great to get a chance to listen to that. We're going to turn our attention now to Chuck Wright. Chuck uh, was on the show. I would hate to even gather or hazard a guess at how long ago that was. Too long, quite honestly. But Chuck is um, just released his debut solo album. The album is called Sheltering Sky. It's on Cleopatra Records. You can get it now. Uh, the album features uh, some of Chuck's musical friends. And, and as we get into in the interview, Chuck has a lot of musical friends. He, he does a, a, a residency out in L.A., where a lot of musicians, some musicians will come and, and you know jam and, and sit in on sets and stuff. So the album features Derek Sherinian, obviously a uh, dream theater, uh, original keyboardist. He played with Billy Idol, uh, played with anybody who will have him. He's an amazing Black Country Communion. Uh, Lenny Cordola of House of Lords, Jeff Scott Soto, um, who obviously I'm sure we all remember from Ming Van Malmsteen, but hell, let's not forget he sang for Journey. Uh, Troy Laquetta of Tesla. And I think what really made this special and the thing that caught me was that it featured Pat Torpy. Pat, um, the late drummer of Mr. Big, was a very good friend of, of Chuck's. Uh, and so it was wonderful to get a, a chance to hear more from Pat Torpy. It was taken from us way too soon. So without further ado, we're going to play you a little bit of Chuck Wright from Sheltering Scott. We'll get into that.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome back to Iron City Rocks. After far too long, we have Mr. Chuck Wright on the line. How you doing, Chuck? Hey, good to hear from you again. It's been a while. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a pleasure to have you back on, and, and I think even more exciting this time because we've got new music from you, uh, you know, kind of, you know, your debut album, obviously. Yeah, fine. You, you, You've been in a Finally, million. all this time, I've, I've been, you know, I've been at this since the late '70s, really. You yeah. know, when I started playing in all the local places here in Los Angeles, and I think I've done well over 100 albums, and been I played with some great iconic artists in my life, and I've had some cool bands. You know, 26 years of Quiet Riot, and House, then there's a House of Lords, Dupree, on and on. But but to be able to uh, have something that I oversaw every element of it and yeah. create it. And bring on a lot of a lot of amazingly talented friends has been a real special time in my life, and uh, I really hope that this is my legacy. This album is my legacy, and not something I recorded uh, my first album I ever did in 1983. Yeah. So here we are, you know. And I, I never planned on on uh, doing a solo album. It's just you know the pandemic hit, and I just sat down and started writing. Um, no. You know. Were these songs that, I mean, obviously, I think one of the first things that caught me was your work with Pat Torpy, who obviously sadly passed away. It's been yeah. far too long ago. But how did, how did you get him involved in an album so new? Were these things that you the two of you had worked on in the past, maybe had well, some recordings laying around? A lot, of people, a lot of people aren't familiar with the fact that uh, Lanny Cordola, who is, you might know from when he was with House Lords with mm -hmm. me, but we've done a lot of a lot of albums together. We've produced two reggae records. We've done an ambient trance record. We've, we had a band called Magdalene and a, uh, and a band called Castles of Poetry that we did albums with. But we did a project called Odd Man Out with Pat Torpy, and we continued to get together at Pat's studio and just jam out song ideas and record them and just, they're kind of there, you know, um, guitar, bass, and drums. And I stumbled upon, well, not, I was looking for music files for something else. Mm -hmm. I, I go, oh my I forgot all about these tracks. And uh, the first one that hit me right off the bat was uh, our cover of Army of Me. And that was just a jam because uh, Pat really liked the, uh, you know, she's, uh, Bjork. it's a Bjork song Bjork. from 1990. She had, a hit, she had a hit with it. And the, the drum part was a sample of John Bonham. And as you know, Pat, Pat, if you know Pat at all, he's a Bonham aficionado and actually toured with Robert Plant. But, um, you know, we go, hey, let's jam on that. So we jammed on it, recorded it, and then it was put away, right? We never finished it. Sure. Well, when I came across these these three, well, there was a, a more than three, but these three just stood out to me as these need to be finished. You know, they're really, really good, and I don't want it to just disappear into the ethos and, and uh, be lost forever. And it's a way for me to honor Pat, and it's a way, you know, Lanny to be involved in it as well. And he's in, uh, right now in Pakistan, but... He had a school in Af in um, in Afghanistan before the before uh, the Taliban took over the country. Yeah. And he got out of it. He's been struggling to get his girls out of there. But having him and, and Pat and, again, and then I was able to to tap into a wealth of musician friends of mine that I've made over the years, and also because I run an event at the Whiskey A Go Go called Ultimate Jam Night uh, that I started in 2015. We have between 40 and 80, as much as 100 is the most we've had. But um, pro musicians, it was a weekly show. Now it's bi-monthly. But through having over 2,000 musicians and making a lot of new friends, and ha you know, guys would come back a lot. So you yeah. you become friends and then you work together, and people have formed bands out of that. People have gotten tours. People have been seen. It's been a really good thing for the music community. But uh, for me, I was able to... When I was working on songs, I was able to go, you know, who'd be good for this song? Um, you know, Army of Me, since we were talking about that. Um, it's really important you get the right voice, right? So yeah. there was a girl that um, I saw online, and I asked her to come sing at um, Ultimate Jam Night, and she's great. Her name is Whitney Ty. And she actually, um, we became really good friends, and she actually um, co-wrote a song called Time Waits for No One on the album, and she also sings a song that I had inside me for a long time called Giving Up the Ghost that I've always wanted to record. And um, I had her sing that as well. So, <clears throat> you know, I just, that's why, you know, I have over, I have 41. I did a head count recently. I thought it was like 30 something, but I did a recent head count on who's on my album and it's 41. Yes. Different people, myself, of course. 
Um, and because uh, I'm playing guitars and keyboards and obviously basses, and I have as many as there's a couple songs where there's three different basses on it. You know, it's it's a, it's uh, experimental in some regards, but uh, it's really diverse. And again, I didn't plan on doing a solo record. I was just writing music that I wanted to listen to, and and, and it just happened. Very organic. How is the, the stress of getting 41 musicians? To, well, not obviously you didn't put them all in a room or, or try to get them all in a studio at one time, but just to try to coordinate well, all that effort. It sounds like you're, you're trying to herd cats in a way. It, well, you know what? Ultimate Jam Night is herding cats. Yeah. Um, making the record is a different animal. I mean, definitely herding cats. I mean, people are jumping all over the place when you're trying to put together, you know, let's say 50 musicians a week and they've got mm-hmm. their schedules and then, you know, they have their, oh, I don't really want to do that song. I'd like to do it in this key. Or, you yeah. have all these different elements to yeah. deal with. And it's a really professionally run show. Everybody knows what they're going to play, when they're going to be on, who they're going to play with, what key it's in. I even send YouTube links so they know endings, etc. Yeah. So it's been, that's why it's been so successful. I have a great team of people around me. Um, but with making the record, um, I was able to work with, like, individual guys. Let's say I wanted... Uh, you know, I wanted to go a different direction, kind of go Pink Floyd, Lap Steel type of thing. I have a friend that's in a band called Which One's Pink, and he mm-hmm. nails Pink Floyd, right? So I said, you know, I really want to do some aggressive, like, uh, you know, careful with that Axie Gene type yeah. of um, Lap Steel guitar on this for the intro of one of the songs. And I originally had just some regular rock guitar playing on it, and I go, you know, this kind of sounds just too, I hate to use the word generic, but it just doesn't, it's not, making me right. go, wow. So I brought him in, and then I actually did have uh, Scotty Hill from Skid Row do the solo on it, which is a kick-ass solo. Um, he's a good friend of mine. So people will see that there's all these musicians, but, you know, I, some of them, I had them step out of their their normal world, you know, and try some different things. Uh, it's been, you know, in that regard. Is it neat writing songs with, with kind of having that mindset that you can almost paint with unlimited colors to make a metaphor you know normally in a band situation you have five six guys four guys even and, and musicians have their limitations obviously you're, you're not going to play different than how you play i mean maybe you can kind of cop some yeah. different riffs but you kind of had the ability to go out and almost find the perfect musician for the yeah, parts I in your head that that's got to be very liberating it was awesome. I was able to cherry pick what, what I, who and what I thought. And I just, honestly, and these guys, they all came on board because they wanted to, because they liked the music. I said, yeah. I said, hey, check this out. What do you think? Would you like to play on it? And they go, this is great. I'm in. And that's how it happened. In fact, the very first song I wrote was when the pandemic hit and it felt so uh, post-apocalyptic, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere. There's no, all the streets are empty. So I wrote this song called Way to Silence. And I recorded everything myself, and I edited together a video. It's got drone footage of, you know, New York City, Las Vegas, Rome, all these places that usually are just bustling with activity with nobody. And I had one character in it that's uh, in a hazmat suit, like he's the last man on Earth, and this empty train that goes throughout it. But anyway, from that video, I posted that myself. Um, Troy Lucchetta from Tesla contacted me, and he goes, oh, I love this man, and it sounds so great with drums. I go... Oh, I never really thought about it, but yeah, throw some drums on it. Let's do it, you know? So um, he did that, and then Alan Hines, who's one of my favorite guitar players. In fact, I saw him at a packed club last night. He's a jazz fusion uh, guitar player. Um, he added some guitars on it because he really liked it, and it, it kind of built from there. And I just found out a few days ago that that song and uh, won Best Instrumental and Best Video in the Rock Music Alliance Awards, I didn't even know I was nominated, well, and I was up to Joe Satriani and John Five and all these other people that I hold in high regard. So it kind of blew my mind, and it happened right when the record was coming out, which the album just came out Friday. Um, and, it, and that, when I found out about the award, it was like three days before that. So it's it's been great, but that's kind of how it all happened. I just started writing and, and uh, you know throwing the songs at different friends, saying, "Hey, what do you think?" And they jumped right on it. I don't know if you're familiar with, do you know Jeff Scott Soto? Oh, absolutely, singer? yes. Yeah, so, Jeff's been a, Jeff, a guest. Yeah, oh, good, you've had him. Yeah, well, you, people might know him from uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra or, or Sons of Apollo, his solo stuff, Alsman. I mean, he 
yeah. he's a very prolific guy. But a lot of people don't know um, what a great R&B singer he is. You know, yeah. he's a great soul singer. So I had this one song, and I said, hey, Jeff, check this out. And I, the vocals, were, the melodies were done, the work were done. And I said, hey, could, I think he'd be perfect for this. And I said, he goes, okay, this is great. I'll do it. Three hours later, he sends me the track, and they're killer. I go, are you kidding me? That's how prolific this guy is. He's amazing. I just saw him um, uh, a couple nights ago um, at uh, the Canyon Club here in town, and the first time in 27 years he stepped on stage and did a whole show with Boogie Nights, which is, you know, disco era mm-hmm. um, that he just killed it. And that's what he did years ago, you know. So um, he's just, people don't know that about him. I mean, I met him when he was playing with Ingve Malmsteen, and they were opening for Quiet Ride in, like, 1987. And, uh, in fact, his son was in a, in a stroller, and his son was at this gig, and he's 34. So, yeah. you know, kind of freaked me it out. It kind of hurts. Remember my kid that was on the stroller? Here he is. Yeah, here he's helping load um, in the gear. And... But that's, anyway, the point is, is that's kind of how this record has come about. And it's really diverse. I think it's, it, people have called it very cinematic, and it covers a lot of different territory. There's even a Celtic piece on there. Yeah. Um, I covered I covered uh, a song I've loved my whole life since I first saw this band called The Youngbloods. Um it's a song called Darkness, Darkness, and I always wanted to do it real Celtic style. Like, it could be in a new Braveheart movie, the way it sounds on the record yeah. now. Um, and there, there's a lot of songs on there that have a very cinematic feel to it, and part of that's because I've been working with a guy named Tim Jansons, who's a brilliant... Um, he mixed a lot of stuff, and he co-produced some of the songs. He's also a brilliant cinematographer, editor. He's won awards as a film scorer. So you'll hear a lot of that depth in the record because of his his input. Was and we've become best friends now. We're, we're talking about starting a, a video production company together right now because I I really enjoy putting making that all happen and bringing it together. I don't know if you've seen my last my newest single is a song called Throwing Stones, mm-hmm. and I just made the video for that and and the, it's an anti-war message song, which actually Joe Retta wrote the lyrics. I don't know if you know Joe. He also was in Trans Siberian Orchestra, yeah. Dia Disciples. He wrote the lyric uh, before the end of the year, so it was before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it's just so timely. So I I, I put a video together that kind of tied in what's going on right now over there. So does the does the Ultimate Jam Night? I I, I look at that, and you know, as you describe the relationships you made, did that really? kind of help it you've got a whole host of musicians there kind of help pull you guys through you know what had to be a very dark time i mean you know obviously the bulk of your income for a lot of the musicians is the live performance and you know to go through that kind of dark period were those relationships kind of help when it came to you know getting back on stage finding gigs and things on the other side that kind of brother sisterhood it, I know it has for a lot of a lot of my friends and people there. I mean, we we obviously were dark for 17 months, mm-hmm. so that was I I was personally still out playing live with Quiet Riot because we would take any pretty much any show. We did Sturgis right in the height of the pandemic, and there mm-hmm. wasn't one mass scene. And I put a fan in front of my not not a music fan, a fan blower right in yeah. front of my like, facing the other way, blowing. blowing. You know, when people are yelling at you, I don't want their, like, spit laying on you. You know, so, yeah, we kept, and being on planes was a little bit unnerving. Um, but I didn't I didn't actually get COVID until I went to a Christmas party re- um, this last uh, time, this last Christmas. And then, yeah, sure enough, somebody there, two people there had it, and you know it, and we all yeah, got it. Yeah, you'll let your guard down and yeah, yeah, bite yeah, you in the butt. I think there was maybe 25 people at this this gathering and i actually i won't say her name but i actually got it from the top news anchor that was there because <laughs> <laughs> i really wanted to talk to her you know because when somebody works in the business like that i really wanted to like yeah just talk about the process and she uh yeah that's where i got it anyway yeah it just it, it's so, it's good to have those kind of things you know you know this kind of networking you know amongst musicians and that well, kind of camaraderie that's really, I started it in 2015 because DJs were kind of taking over yeah. in this town. And we all know DJs can't jam. So, you know, 
Um, and people were, there was this little club um, near me right now. I live in Studio City, but, uh, and they were having a, a Kenny Aronoff and uh, had a little jam there. You might know Kenny. He's like yeah. a super famous drummer. But, you know, they just basically did all the same songs. And then they they had to go on tour with Fogarty. And, and I was asked to take it over. And I, I said, yeah, but I'm going to do it my own way. And what I did was is I brought in, you know, we got up, I think, and I thought it was a lot then. We got up to like 30 musicians or 35 that were all, they would know ahead of time what, what's going to happen. And then that place, unfortunately, closed. It was really fun. It was small. But it was a fun hang real social networking so we got this this musician hanging social networking thing going and then it died it went you know a guy closed and and people kept hitting me up going hey when are you gonna you got to do that somewhere else so i moved to another location and uh it just took off there uh, in fact we almost had uh the um david lee roth you know eat him and smile band were all there including david lee roth but the club let the world know that that yeah. was going on so the fire marshal shut it down and that began the end of our relationship, kind of, because the, things got really kind of weird because we kept saying, you can't keep letting people in, and they kept letting people in, and sure enough, the show didn't happen. And it was a big, huge disappointment for me because it obviously would have been a great achievement, a big feather in my cap. We have had that band back, but not with David Lee Roth. Sure. Just got so active, um, you know, and, and so... Um, Which isn't, yeah, that, that, that in itself would be, you know... Obviously, the band. I think a lot of people at this point want to see the band for the band, not necessarily the singer. Um, yeah, and, I know. And Jeff yeah. more than do that justice. Steve and Greg Bissonette, Billy Sheehan, come on. Yeah, end of you story. Know, and Brett and Brett Tuggle too. Yeah. Um, you the the thing is is that 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 place, and I don't want to even say who they are. Hmm. Um, who knows what they would do? Um, they basically just decided, oh, you know what? Because I we we were killing it. We we packed that place for 55 weeks straight and they said they'd give me a couple weeks to see if it worked when I started. And, um, and then they'd said, you know what, we're going to do it ourselves. You know, so they went to the keyboard player that I was working with and they cut a deal with him on the side and they just kicked us to the curb. And luckily I went to the whiskey, which is legendary place. I didn't think they would, you know, I went and talked to Mikey, the owner, and he said, he goes, listen, he goes, residencies don't work at the whiskey we've tried it it doesn't work but i'll give you a couple of weeks we'll see how it goes and we've been there ever since yeah enough yeah, said so, so it does work in the right context that's it's yeah uh, yeah it's yeah it's a, it's a thing everybody it's like i said it's super pro all the musicians i vet everybody i mean i i watch video even guys that are from known bands they go hey i really want to play blah blah i go well that's you know if it's not their thing i'll go look and i go no 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 i I gotta talk them out of this. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to do a disservice to them by putting, throwing them in the deep end in the wrong pool. Yeah. So, uh, and that's certainly know. certainly it. It's not necessarily they can't play. It's just there's certain situations that people show. Yeah, them. you don't. You know, I I don't want to put a guy that's like a thrash metal guy on a funk tune. You know? Yeah. <laughs> as interesting as yeah. that may be. Chuck, will you yeah. get to will you get to play much of the Sheltering Sky record live, or we maybe work that into to some of the sets? Well, I think that people, if people have listened to the album, when you hear it from top to bottom, to pull this record off properly, and for me, I want it to be an immersive experience. Mm -hmm. I would need Roger Waters' budget to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, some five guitars going on. You know, I mean, it. Not that it would need to be that live like that but to really pull it off i could i you know i could proceed doing a few songs off of it and maybe mix that with some of the other material that i've done in my sure my history but i really it would be really tough to do this as a um you know a tour or whatever and and obviously supply and demand we'll see hopefully enough people this record will resonate with and yeah. they'll want to see it you know like hey i found this gem of a record of course i've been getting some really great positive reviews from people so it's been pretty good one guy i talked to um in this kind of context said dude i listened to your album 10 times in a row before we talked <laughs> like, really wow you yeah know, that, so. that, I, I didn't quite make it to 10 but i'm in the in the ballpark but the kind of the nature of of the beast but and i think one of the things that, that to me was so cool was you know you're known as a bass player obviously and you've got history with several you know, very big bands from, you know, kind of that era. 
but really having no idea what to expect when you know the needle drops on the first track and like okay bass player solo album a lot of guests what are we going to get and, and i think it was neat in how many different directions it took you you know from one song to the next with different voices with different styles of music um really different sections yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really takes you on on a, a a neat journey as opposed to you know 13 songs of you know bass noodling and, and filling guitars you know which you can get from some bass players so that's um well, yeah, I, I, have, we... I have some guys, the guys that I hold in, that are awesome musicians mm-hmm. and great bass players. Basically, it is, like you said, it's a bass noodling record. And I certainly, I could do something like that, but I didn't want to do anything like that. As I said, I just started writing songs. I'm a songwriter, if you yeah. look. And I, and I, which I haven't had time to do because of the weekend flyouts with Quiet Riot and, and yeah. running Ultimate Jam. So I kind of basically stopped composing. But I've, I've worked on seven film scores. I've, I've with House of Lords, I was the most, I was the uh, main main contributing writer, mm-hmm. and with the Quiet Ride QR3 record, I'm a writer on everything, and the two ballads on there are 100% my music and uh, vocal melodies and everything, yeah, um, which that... which album's very different from what they were what they were doing before I got involved with the writing on it. Sure. Um, and there's other other things that I've done, other ba- uh, projects I've been in where I'm I'm a contributing writer. But this one, I co-wrote some of the things, and there's some 100% by me, and then there's a couple a couple uh, covers. One of the songs, um, it's called The Other Side, but the chorus is See You on the Other Side. I actually wrote in one sitting, I got the phone call that Frankie Benelli had passed, you know, who uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've been working Yeah, I've worked with him for like 26 years of my life, you know, so... Hearing that kind of brought all those feelings forward of you know losing my mom, my grandma, and all my I've lost like seven of my best friends in my life, and those feelings all hit me. And I said, picked up a twelve string that was sitting right next to me. I picked it up and wrote that song top to bottom, even the really intricate bridge solo section and the chorus idea, uh, melody and lyric in one sitting. And then I wanted to finish it out with. Uh, a guy named August Young, who Frankie had recently been playing with in a, in a set thing called mm-hmm. Mr. Jimmy. And uh, they were real good friends, so I contacted him, and, and it kind of had a zeppelin feel to it to begin with. So I said, hey, do you want to finish the song with me? We'll go, go back and forth with the lyrics and melodies. And So he finished that with me, and I got a couple of the other guys from that band on the record as well. And Mr. Jimmy himself, um, who you might know, he plays with Jason Bonham as, as Jimmy Page. Yeah, But he's on it. There, actually, that that's a track that has five guitar players on it. Uh, the solo, I think, is brilliant. It's by Jude Gold from Jefferson Starship, and he also is on a couple other things uh, playing. But that's that solo is just so. I said, I go, man, check this. It's got some really intricate chord changes, and I really would like a Jeff Beck type of thing on it over it. And he goes, oh, okay, cool. And then you know, back and forth, and he just it knocked it out of the park. It's brilliant. You know, I've yeah. been very, very fortunate. But that song, um, Other Side, is an example of, of me just taking what was going on around me and writing a song like I did with Way to Silence with the pandemic, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know. And I think that... The time uh, uh, you know, with the video I made with... I worked with a 3D animator. Um, his name is Hugh Lanius. And uh, we, we put together um, an army of Ruth Ginsburgs marching on Washington on that one. That. Yeah, I so think I wish you, you could certainly feel the authenticity in the lyrics and the in the, the attention to the song, you know, as opposed right. you know as opposed to an instrumental record or a, you know even just you know some sometimes when when you hear of somebody bringing in a ton of musicians, you don't know what you're going to get, and I think that uh, you know the commonality of you being involved in the writing and even your choices of covers you know like the bjork song i mean that's just a, a, f- a fascinating you know someone who wasn't necessarily a big bjork fan but when you hear it it's like that really i could see why you chose it and the way you did it uh you know just works so well you know for, from Thank an artist you. i don't think of you know when i think of songs that people are going to cover or artists you know, that's not one on the top of you know the list of music no, i no. listen to and that makes and it kind of cool have- I actually wouldn't have thought of it really, but um, but we we jammed on it and I found the track and it, the track kicks ass as you heard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I you know I, I I went yeah let's do it and I was, I am actually 
I, I'm a fan of Bjork's and, and a lot of bands like, like um, Zero Seven and Massive Attack and, and that kind of music. I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. Um, I like deeper, deeper music like Deep Purple, Peter Gabriel, Sting. Those kind of artists really resonate with me more so than just a generic rock record. Although I love that stuff and I love performing it. Like yeah. I love performing Riot Riot. I love doing those songs. That's another whole animal, you know? Yeah. But I've also, I was in a flamenco group for two years. I have an acoustic uh, band called Acoustic Saints I've had for 10 years here in Los Angeles. We have violin, mandolin, um, and we have a small little, uh, we have percussion and small um, cocktail drum set. And I play fretless bass with that band and a lot of vocals. And we reinterpret classic rock songs. And we like to do songs with that are known for the guitar player and have our guitar player, who's brilliant, we do an Eric Johnson song uh, acoustically, but he plays violin so well. We like to take songs that are known for the guitar and do them on violin. Like, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, that's all. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cool. It's a fun thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. a lot of fun. Yeah. The, yeah, the different to... people love the band. Like, people, we have, like, this core this area of, here in L.A., it's like northern, it's like Agoura and Thousand Oaks, it's what, what it's called, but that area there, we just have just hard huge amount of fans that come out to see that band and we just do it for fun it's like we didn't nobody wants to you know it's just let's get together and play and it's been like that we you know we do corporate events and and different private things a lot and once in a while we'll play out uh publicly but um that is a really good high for me to, to play with those guys and they're all guys two of the guys i've known since the 80s you know stan bush is a singer i don't know if you know him or not but he actually wrote a song in house of lords and uh, quiet riot um, and he's won an Emmy, and uh, he, he wrote that song, You Got the Touch. Mm-hmm. It's really known for um, the Transformer movies. Yeah. Anyway, so and, and also in that Boogie Nights movie. <laughs> yeah. Chuck, if you people got- if people want to pick the album up, is where, where is the most advantageous for you to get it? Do you have it on, on your website or social media? Well, you can go to, there's an order link on on chuckwright.com it's it's on amazon i tell people hey if you're an amazon prime member order it there because you don't have to pay for delivery charges where if you get it the label there's a delivery charge okay um if you want the hard product now i think i still believe it's really cool to actually have product in your hand instead of just these you know an mp3 living on my computer somewhere and i gotta say that i'm very very again blessed to have who i feel is the best in the business, do my CD cover and package. Um, his name is Glenn Wexler, and he's, you've seen his work with Van Halen, with, with uh, Kiss, with Black Sabbath, with Rush, a whole list of people, Michael Jackson and, and uh, Herbie Hancock, I think was his first. I was the very first musician he ever shot when he was learning back at, we've been friends since like 78 or 79, and he's gone on to be, you know, he did the House of Lords stuff too, so that's another connection with yeah. me directly. Um, but yeah, he he, I've been sending him tracks as I go because he's my best friend. And then he goes, you know, do you want me to do your CD package? He fully knows that I'm a graphic designer and I I, I worked yeah. with three labels at one. I'm in the '90s, right? And I said, are you kidding me? If the best of the best wants to do it, let's do it. And he came up with this iconic image of a vulture leaving um, desolation, which is a sign of hope because the vulture is known as, as kind of as a sign of death, but it's, we're coming out of the pandemic and um, it's just a vision of hope. It's flying into an, an eclipse. It's, yeah. it's a very cool, cool image. Yeah, it, it's, it's got, I, I think kind of, uh, an, a bit of the coloring is, is kind of ominous, but you know, the, the image is almost profound, you know, kind of this, the back yeah. of the vulture is, is really stunning. Um, he's flying off and one one person said chuck is flying off flying into his solo project doing his own he's flying solo you know so maybe it it means that too but um it's basically a sign of hope and there's a lot of hope um in the lyrics mm -hmm. i think on this album there's some darkness to it but there's also um a lot of messaging yeah um you know like see you on the other side and giving up the ghost which is basically about just you know it's time to let go of things that are holding you back um, so there was some, there was a little bit of thought. <laughs> I, got, I mean, I had a lot of months to think about it. Yeah. We all had like, more time to think than we needed. I yeah. Think. So I, I try to make the best out of a bad situation. 
Wow. You know, and I, I never, honestly, I never dreamed that it would become an album, but I, I finished five songs and I made that video for Army of Me and I started, I go, you know what, I think I got something here and I shopped it around and, and brought Barrera over at Cleopatra, dug it, and they're the kind of label that don't meddle. They yeah. don't tell you, you know, talking about being, having somebody breathing down your neck, oh, where's, you got to do this, you got to do that. It was, just do your thing, you know, it's all great, let's go. Thanks. You know, so, which is, Cool. Awesome. Well, Chuck, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Again, Chuck writes Sheltering Sky is available now. As of the time you hear this, you can get it at his website, Amazon, as he mentioned. Get the physical product, uh, the artwork, uh, You know, even for a CD size cover. Hopefully, we'll see this on vinyl. I, I realize that's an undertaking financially to do that, but this would be an yeah. epic vinyl album cover. So, Chuck, thank you it so much. Be. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I hope everything's good in Pittsburgh. All right, Chuck Wright, Sheltering Sky is available now in Cleopatra Records. Uh, an amazing collection of music and, and a very diverse collection of music. If you're thinking this is going to be, you know, oh, it's the bass player of Quiet Riot made an album. It's just going to be, you know, bass solos and things like that. That is not this. This is has got many different um, styles of music in it. Uh, textures layers um you know to say to you that this is an album from someone who was in quiet riot but includes a cover of a bjork song ought to give you an idea of what you're getting into so a fantastic listen uh so i invite you to check that out also want to thank vincent pastor again that show will be at the uh library music hall of homestead on october 8th make sure you do not confuse that as i often do with the one in oakland this is the one in Homestead, uh, not far from Sandcastle. It'll be a Saturday night show. Michael Imperioli, Vincent, as I mentioned, and Steve Shripa, who uh, was Bobby Bacala on the show. So, And he was also a major character in Blue Bloods. As I, as I mentioned with Vincent, uh, all three of these guys have made their, uh, made their way into the, the Tom Selleck show, Blue Bloods, which I am also a big fan of. So it was a, a real pleasure to talk to him, and I'm really looking forward to this event. So if I should check that out again, librarymusichall.com to get tickets. Also want to uh, invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com. We've got, obviously, all the podcasts, all 484 that preceded this episode. Also, um, we have photographers, including myself, at many live events in the Pittsburgh area, shooting shows we've got dvd reviews um you name it and then if you're you know a fan of live music which we hope you are uh, we invite you to check out our social media we're on facebook twitter instagram all of those we try to keep you abreast of all the shows coming uh to the region uh you know as we've tried since the very beginning is to get you guys interested in seeing these live events so that promoters continue to have these live events we do not get any sort of kickback from any promoters we don't get anything for free for doing this we just want to see these shows continue to come that's the key you know we all have been there when you get the tour dates from your favorite band and you see it skip your town and that was the one thing that was paramount to us was to get it so that these shows have enough interest people going that they don't skip our town so, invite you to get out, see bands, buy the music, buy the t-shirts, buy the merch, uh, support the bands, and enjoy it. So, until next time, we want to thank you so much. You can always drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Also, want to mention, if I could, just get a plug in there for this, pghcitypaper.com is doing their best of. If you go to the nomination section under People and Places, we would deeply appreciate you throwing a vote at Iron City Rocks uh, so we can continue to show Pittsburgh that live rock music matters. So I thank you so much. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>